This week's episode of the Fat Packs Podcast is brought to you by the Collectible Card Club, Monster Breaks, and all our phone guests appear on the Spotty Hot Cash Hotline. And we are back. You are listening to the Fat Packs Podcast on the Beckett Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Norton. Today's show is, of course, brought to you by the Collectible Card Club, Monster Breaks, and all of our phone guests are brought to you by Spotty Hawk on the Spotty Hawk Cash Hotline. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're having a good, great, fun week uh, in the hobby. Great new products out last week. Finest came out uh, just off the top of the head. Hope you guys are uh, breaking that stuff, ripping it, having fun with it. I've seen some monster uh, Shohei Otani's come out of there so far, especially for Monster Breaks. Give them an extra little plug there. They are uh, doing well. I, th- I think the, on on day one, I saw an orange refractor number to twenty. F- yeah, number twenty five auto come out of that. That was like day one. You know, it's it's been cool to watch the breaks this week, seeing uh, seeing what's being pulled. I, I I got into a break myself. I bought the Angels, did not get lucky enough to get one of those Otani's, but I did get like five Otani base rookies, and uh, then there's the short print with a pitching variation. I, I'll call it the variation. Picked that one up as well in that break. And then a purple a purple Mike Trout and a green Albert Pujols. That's a, that was the haul from the Angels on that one. But I had to take a chance. Uh, I saw everybody else was doing it, so I had to jump in there and, and grab one myself. Let's talk about some new products and pricing here because there uh, there are some new products out on the, on the market this week um, that – We'll fall right into the baseball category. Uh, we'll, we'll start with the other two, though. 2018 Historic Autographs Art of Baseball. That's that's out. Um, it looks beautiful. I get to see those sometimes when they come through here for, uh, like, variation and stuff like that. Verific- I'm sorry. I said variation. Verification on the autographs. I get to see some of those sometimes. They look pretty cool. Uh, 2000 Leaf Metal USA Army All-American Football. That's always been a fun product. It's, uh, you know, early early autographs with some of these guys. Uh, nice patch pieces on, on on a lot of these stuff. Brian Gray over at Leaf does a good job with this product. It's a I think it's an underrated product. Kind of fly, it, you know it flies under the radar, but it's fun to it's fun to check out. And then finally, uh, Top Series Two Baseball. That's the big one out this week. I say big because you can get it in the jumbo box as well. Uh, you can get the regular the regular box or the jumbo box. This stuff it's it's loaded with variations. I think we're up to ninety seven different variants on these cards so uh, what i wanted to do now is just break down where you can find these at of course the 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 easiest way is the coded numbers on the back of the cards Uh, when it comes to variation hunting says uh, ryan cracknell here's what you need to know when it comes to these codes the base cards end in 359 the sp variations end in 112 the super short print variations end in 114 and the rookie variations end in 249 while you're hunting, and uh, this list is growing, like I said, I think it was at 97 this morning when I clicked on it. It could be more. It could definitely be more if you have have some out there. So please send those into Ryan, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Trader Cracks, and I'm sure that he would uh, very much appreciate the uh, the help there. But this list is massive, massive. Bryce Harper, Ty Cobb, Reggie Jackson, Addison Russell, Ernie Banks, Marcus Stroman. What's up, Stro? Uh, Corey Kluber. Dallas Keiko, Jose Tuve, Honus Wagner, uh, Dustin Pedroia, Joey Votto, Kyle Seeger. What's up, Kyle? Uh, Tom Seaver, Noah Syndergaard, Justin Turner, Luke Weaver, 
Brandon Crawford, Hank Aaron, Albert Pujols, Derek Jeter, D.D. I can't say his name. Felix Hernandez, D.D. Gourget. Oh, man, I'm not even going to try. Lou Gehrig, Bob Gibson, Justin Verlander, uh, Gleyber Torres, Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman, Chipper Jones. They all have variations. And he's got a nice gallery up as well if you want to head over to the Beckett.com homepage and just click on this link here. It is titled 2018 Top Series 2 Baseball Variations Short Prints, The Ultimate Guide. And he's done a very good job of putting this all together for you. Ryan great does great work as well, as you always know. So uh, go check it out if you want a, a detailed list of what these variations uh, look like and how you can find them and uh, what they you – know, the, I'm sure there's going to be more. Dials Keichel, man, this is, this is pretty cool. SP variation leaning on the fence, and he's got that massive beard working. Massive, massive beard. So uh, that's it for uh, new products. Check out Ryan's nice little piece here on uh, on Beckett.com, and he help you out with the rest of the variations that I didn't mention. And you can send in some photos of your uh, of your of your variations that you've pulled. That'd be very helpful to uh, Mr. Crack now. Uh, new pricing wise, we have just the one 2018 classics football is now priced. I'll tell you, I'm gonna tell you something. I, I think I said it last week. I loved this product this year. It was, it was kind of, it wasn't a, a complete new like revamp of the product, but it, it had some staples that were there the last few seasons. But I, I do, I do like it. You're getting one auto per, I believe, and one mem per, but. It's been a fun. There's lots of stuff in there, like the no name backs, uh, the red, the full name. The full name parallels are numbered to five. The no names are are fifty or thirty five, depending on if it's the Optichrome or the base. And you know, there's the red back, the blank, uh, the the black. I believe it's a black back. There's there's just lots of stuff to be found in this stuff. Uh, it's a good product. I like it a lot. And you know, it's not going to break the bank either. So you can grab this put the set together i think there's only actually 12 rookie i think there's one rookie per pack so there's 12 rookies per box i believe it's a good fun chase that's not going to break the bank uh i would highly recommend going and picking up some if you haven't already i know that it's not the newest product out on the market right now but it's a lot of fun so uh please go do that have fun with it enjoy it let's see those hits uh thanks for the i'm gonna say shout out to uh, mike summer who who has been sending us pictures of his hits on twitter thank you very much sir I'm going to hook you up with a card, man, because you're, you're interacting, and I really enjoy that. It's a lot of fun for me to see that someone's listening to it, listening to the show and, and listening to what I'm saying, and that's uh, really cool of you to do that. So thanks for listening. So for being a good listener, I'm going to hook you up with a card. Just hit me with an email, uh, Eric N E R I C N at Beckett.com. Tell me what you're collecting, and I see what, I'll see what I can ha- have at my desk or maybe over in the vault. I'll find something for you. We're going to set up the rest of the show here for you. We're going to listen to, we're going to replay the first part of our Mark Henry, our Mark Henry interview from Toronto. And then we're going to play the second part of it that you guys have not heard. So I wanted to give this to you all as one piece for people who may have missed the first one who didn't catch that. So we have an hour's worth of uh, interview, interview time with WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry on today's show. I got to tell you, this guy was is one of the smartest people, like business business smart. Uh, when I say business, I mean wrestling. Business wise, he's probably one of the smartest dudes I've ever talked to about about wrestling, and he's he's in it for the long haul, and he's he's making smart smart decisions. 
money-wise. He's making smart decisions talent-wise. And I, I'm actually anxious to watch, see how he grows outside of the ring now because it's going to be a lot of fun knowing where, where he started from, you know, as, as you know, back with sexual chocolate and the Nation of Domination and all those guys, the hand and all that. We cover all that in this interview. It's going to be a lot of fun for you guys to check out if you, if you are a fan of the WWE. And on the back side, we got to come back with a couple of uh, couple of auctions that are ending that we need to make sure that you guys know about. And then there's a piece that I, I saw on Sports Collectors Daily that I want to bring to your attention as well. Pretty cool if you're a sneakerhead and you like Topps baseball cards. All right. On the other side of this break, we're going to come back with the first part of our interview with Mark Henry. Uh, Chris Meany is on that conversation with me. We're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to be back with just Mark Henry and myself. You guys hang tight. We'll be right back. This is Scott Sargent from WFNY, and you're listening to Beckett Radio. What was that moment like? Let's start there. Oh, man. I'm, it, was, it was a good connection with the crowd. Uh, a lot of times you, um, you talk about yourself, and you feel like you're bragging. Yeah. The Hall of Fame is the only time where it's okay. <laughs> you were chirping. You were giving some chirps. Well, I did my best. You know, I just told people what you know what I felt about situations that I felt about and what uh, made me a wrestling fan as well as a competitor, and uh, it went across real well. Mark, speaking of being a wrestling fan, I'm from Texas myself. You down there in Silsby, just north of Beaumont, you know. Okay. I, I'm, uh, so, I have, I'm the Dallas Fort Worth area, so I had the Von Erics and the WCCW. What, who were some of the Texas wrestlers that you uh, looked up to growing up? Well, I mean, definitely the Von Erics, but um, like there was a guy in Houston, uh, Iceman Kings Parsons. Yes, that I, I just saw like. him two weeks ago. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Man, <laughs> I, I was a big fan of his when I was a little kid. And um, uh, there was a guy, he was from like um, Vietnam, and um, he was like his, I think his name was like Nam or Name. Okay, yeah. Big dude, big dude. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually saw him and Andre uh, go at it, and he was probably about 6'8", 300 pounds. Yeah. So it was a big dude. Sure. And uh, him and Andre went at it, man. It was like, that was one of my childhood favorite matches. There you go. That's a nice one. Was that a goal for you when you were younger? Was it to obviously maybe dreaming of being in the Hall of Fame for WWE? But Never. Was that, did you ever think that, you know, wrestling, this Not is what you one, wanted to do? I didn't, you have, to it? I didn't have one dream about being a wrestler. I just enjoyed watching. Um, I, I enjoyed going, watching the matches with my grandmother. Cause she was the biggest wrestling fan in the world. I mean, like, would spend all the money <laughs> to, <laughs> to drive places and watch wrestling. So, so it, it made out good for me. So when was like when did that moment happen for you where you knew that, that you were going to be you know involved? You know what? Uh, Vince Vince McMahon called called me in um, in '95, and he he was very adamant about. Um, me being a professional wrestler because he saw me on TV mm-hmm. talk about I was a wrestling fan, you know, and that people it's embarrassing. People say y'all oh, wrestling is phony and it's not fun, you know. And I'm like, who are these people? Like, you know, why it's awesome. I mean, wrestling is awesome. So, um, you know, I was. I guess he saw me. The, the, the biggest thing was on, on Oprah. Uh, I said how much of a wrestling fan I was, and he called me like the next week. 
Very nice. So that was uh, that was kind of my introduction to meeting somebody finally that was in wrestling because I had never really met anybody. Now I had seen a, uh, an interview with you recently talking about how how you had to get prepared for wrestling because you were a power lifter. You had short three five three to five second bursts of energy, and coming into the ring, you, you had to last you know 15, 20 minutes sometimes. How big of a change of that was for you? Well, being a, you know, people that are sports people, you have aerobic athletes and you have anaerobic athletes. An anaerobic athlete is a lot of energy, a lot of rest. A lot of energy, a lot of rest. And that's the kind of athlete I was. Yes, sir. So to switch to uh, getting on a treadmill for 20 minutes straight mm -hmm. or doing up and down, up and down for 20 minutes, you know, uh, or doing anything for... Uh, a long period of time, it was difficult. Like it was just, you just, you would be sucking wind so bad. And um, after about a year, uh, you know, it kind of went away because, you know, it's just, you know, practice. Sure. And um, when you add getting nervous to that conditioning phase, um, it, it makes you even more tired because a lot of people don't realize when you walk out there, sometimes people forget to breathe. Right. Like they're so caught up in the moment that they're not breathing. I've seen people just pass out. And um, they're like, man, what, what happened? And you're like, hey, you stopped breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that some like advice you would give to somebody who's trained? And, you know, oh, I mean, the, the, you always see um, uh, referees or, uh, you know, people around the business when the people start training. So I tell them, hey, man, breathe. You're not breathing. And, you know, it's like a constant thing. But, you know, when you get older, it's, the more um, exposed to it you get, the easier it gets. And it's like riding a bicycle. You just, you know, go out there and do it. So when you came in, you came in with the Nation of Domination. You know, not immediately, but you guys hooked up. And you're, you're, you're with Farouk. You're with, um, I'm sorry, Ron Simmons. You're with The Rock. You're with uh, D-Lo. Out of, out of the four... I've heard some say that you might not have been picked to make the Hall of Fame, but you arguably had just as, well you did, you made the Hall of Fame, you, you, made, you had just an impressive career as the rest of those guys. What was something that Juan Simmons taught you coming in? What was something that, you know, LaRock taught, taught you? Um, every, you? You learn something from everybody. I mean, I, I can walk out there in the crowd and talk to these two boys right here in the front row. Yes, sir. And learn something. Like, I mean, you can't have a closed mind. That's, that's, that's kind of uh, Ron's uh, mantra, if you will. Like, you know, what did you learn today? Try to learn something. You can learn something from anybody. The Rock, um, the Rock is the hardest worker and the most studied guy I've ever been around. Okay. I mean, like, you know, y'all have papers up here with, you know, questions, uh, you know, Stuff that you know about hockey. Sure. The Rock would have 12 pages of stuff that he was thinking about saying. He wasn't even going to say it, but he would have just it. Prepared. Just he, prepared. He would have it. Yeah. And uh, just over prepared. Just like, it's like, man, what are you doing? And he's like, um, I'm thinking about saying this. What does this sound like to you? And then he'll say it, and you go, that's garbage. Like, <laughs> Good, I'm going to do this tomorrow. <laughs> Very nice. So before, like, the wrestling career, I want to know how it all started. I mean, you hold so many records, strongest man, strongest teenager, still to this day. 
I mean, squatting 900 pounds before age 25. Like, how did that start? Like, do you remember the first set of weights you lifted, and how did that come about? Well, in, um, I saw the Olympics in 1976. That was the first Olympics that I remember as a little kid, like these guys sitting up here watching the whole Olympics. Like, wow, man. And the, the person that, that struck me the most was Vasily Alexiev. He was a Russian weightlifter. And, um, like, he was very flamboyant. And it was fun because he, you know, when he came out, people threw roses at him. And he would put the roses in his teeth and he would bow and he'd go act like he was going to jump in the crowd and he'd stop. He, he was a wrestler, really. He, he should have been. Uh, he had a lot of personality, a lot of, like, um, uh, entertainment. Like, he yeah. was just an entertainer. He made you want to watch weightlifting. And, and then that was a time when nobody was watching weightlifting. Not like that. And um, so I, I saw Facility Lexev and I was like, that's who I want to be. How old were you? I was six. Wow. Six or seven. And... It was the summer, so I was probably seven. It was after June, that's in August. Yeah, I was seven. So, like, I knew what I wanted to do at seven years old. I wanted to be the strongest man in the world. I just didn't know that that guy was the strongest man in the world. I just knew he was cool. Yeah. And um, once I, the older I got, the more I started begging my mother to buy me weights because I wanted to be strong. And she said, you're already strong. You know? I'm like, no, I want to lift weights. I want to be stronger. <laughs> I want to be strongest. And, um, and and she ended up buying me and my brother weights at uh, at 12 years old, 11 years old. And um, all the kids in my neighborhood would come to my house and we would just lift weights. Wow. And um, it was a good way to keep an eye on us. Yeah. <laughs> Some <laughs> friendly competition too, I bet. We were throwing rocks in windows like all the rest of the kids, but we, we spent more time on the front porch lifting weights. Mark, speaking of entertaining, you had one of the most entertaining hill runs in recent history, and I, the, the moment that sticks out to my mind is your retirement speech, your false retirement speech, and you just you squashed Cena that night. Tell me, did you write that? Who wrote was that? Was that in the back? Who, who did that? Man, that was me. I, I, awesome. I, I, I actually was going to retire, and um, I spent about six months you know, telling everybody, hey, this, this, this is it. I mean, eventually I'm going to make the announcement and it's going to be over with. And Vince just came to me and was like, man, you shouldn't retire. He was like, it's, it's still so much you can do. And during that time, you know, it was like, I got young kids. Mm -hmm. So... You know, being able to go to a softball game or baseball game or uh, football, flag football or, you know, lacrosse or whatever they're playing, gymnastics, I was missing everything. Yes, sir. So I had this guilt of not being there for my kids. And um, Vince was like, listen, you know, your, your kids know you love them. Like, go out there and, you know, it's up to you. He was like, if you if you want to keep going, this is what we can do. And if not, I understand. Okay. So I, I made the decision pretty much um, 45 minutes an hour before the show. Wow. Oh wow, that's incredible. And um, 
it was like it was one of the best decisions I ever made. But you know, like now, you know, my son is playing lacrosse right now, and I'm here. So it's like you know, it's it's, it's constantly you, you got to pay the bills. You want them to go to private school. You want them to be able to go to the greatest colleges in the country, around the world, whatever. So you know, you gotta you gotta sacrifice and do what it make, do what it takes to get that done. Lacrosse player, nice. Have you played? I'm never played. Man, I'm I'm too old. I don't, I'm telling you, I don't want to wrestle. I don't want to get hit. I don't want nobody hitting me at all. So, so you're done. You're done. I'm done, you're man. Done? I, I'm, I'm done. Man. I saw you. Uh, so at first, I I'm gonna give a shameless plug here. Uh, my son Eli loves you. By the way, we <laughs> were watching you uh, last week at the Greatest Royal Rumble, and you, your music hit. You came out. He jumped through the roof. And then you got eliminated immediately, almost, and he was upset. So, uh, can you give, first, can you give Eli a if, shout if out? It, if it was not for the big show getting injured, uh -huh. I would not have been in that Oh, match. wow. The only reason I did that is to take big show's place. Okay. And, um, you know, people spent a lot of money to have be entertained, and I was not going to be like, you know, not giving their money's worth. Yes, sir. Yes, so, like, you know, we, we there's a lot of respect that we have for the business, not mm -hmm. just our pockets. Right. Like, you you know, I'm not going to say I would have done it for free, but, I, I mean, you know, I, to to make sure that the business keeps going, I would have done it for free. Yes, sir. Just the passion. Just the passion. Just, you know, we, we don't ever want to show up and people leave going, God, that sucks. Right. You know, like you just don't, you don't want that because even if I'm not going to benefit from it, the business, if the business suffers, then, you know, the generations behind us won't have nothing left, you know, so you, you kind of got to leave the cabinet full. Nice, well said. Yeah. You look back on your career, obviously there's a lot of accomplishments, a lot of that you're proud of, but you just touched on the Olympics earlier. Is that one that really just kind of sticks out to you, two-time Olympian, get that opportunity to to go that way? I mean, that's something you have to be pretty proud of. Oh, I'm real proud of it. I mean, it's a lot of work. I, I try to tell people all the time, like, I'm the only human being walking Earth right now that has won a world championship in three sports that have nothing to do with each other. The, the, there was a fourth sport. I was a nat, uh, eight times national champion in Olympic weightlifting and went to two Olympic games uh, in another sport. And didn't win the world championship, but you know, I was not gonna sacrifice um, how I felt about my sport for cheating. Because, I mean, if, if, I, if I did 30% more, I would've won. But the people, I always say, what if those people that were cheating were doing 30% less? Right. <laughs> Good point. If they, if they were doing 30% less, I would have won. So yeah. it was like, you know, whatever. You know, I, I I used to be real bitter and angry about people cheating and stuff. And, you know, I, I grew up, man. I was just like, you know, I'm still alive. I'm healthy. Um, they were cheating I, themselves. Well, right. it's three of the champions are dead. You know, so it's a it's a very very stern price you pay to win a title when you cheat. Sweet. Mark, can we take some questions from the crowd? Yeah, man. All right. Anybody have a question for Miss Henry? Yeah, my, my man ran up there. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready. To go. I got a question. <laughs>
asked a couple different wrestlers, and they, I don't know, but how easy or how hard was it to get along with Vince? And I, I presume you've got a good relationship with him over all these years. Is that true? Yeah, I've always had a good relationship with Vince. Uh, it's easy to have a, rela a good relationship with Vince if you're um, if you're straightforward. Vince don't like cowards. Like he he he, he thrives on uh, having contemporaries, not employees. Uh, there are guys that are, hey boss, how you doing? It's good to see you. Thank you. You know, and then it's like he don't want to be treated like that. You know, he wants to be treated like one of the guys. And if you treat him like a normal person, and you know, he, he looks at you like, okay, this is my contemporary, not, you know, somebody that's uh, working for me. Anybody else? Come on up, sir. You gotta pull that microphone close to you. There you go, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Why don't you tell us uh, your name, too? Um, my name is Andrew, and I have two questions. Okay. No. <laughs> I can get up there, but it's the coming down part. Yeah. Uh, break both my legs off. And two, how painful is it to be slammed to a table? Oh man, uh, you know what? It, it actually hurts worse to be slammed on the floor to me than to be slammed on a table. Table kind of break your fall. When, when you get slammed, period, it, it, it hurts. It, it's, um, um, we make it look easy because, you know, like if I, if I, if I slam this paper, you know, I'm going to slam the paper flat on, on, the, on the table. Sometimes you, you slam, you hit like that, you hit like that, you know, it's like when you see those ugly ones, like they're the ones that really hurt. Mm. Oh, man, you go and get in a, in a hot tub, and put Epsom salt in. You'll know what that is when you get old like Epsom salt. Good ways to go. Thank you for the question. All right. Anybody Let's, else? One more? Yeah, we got another one here. Um, what's your favorite the, part? The best dressed man in the building. Everybody got on a bow tie. I love that. Um, what's your favorite part of wrestling? Like the entertainment, the traveling, your friends? The traveling is not it. <laughs> uh, my favorite part, I think, is the um, after it's over with, having people go, man, why? How did you think of that? And like that's that's the the accomplishment. Like if if uh, and hopefully you'll thrive on accomplishment uh, when you work to have a result, and the result be, you know, whether a pat on the back or some money or just a good feeling, um, you tend to want more of it. Like you, you just, like it, it becomes like an addiction. Like you just want to do it all the time. And, and that's, that's, that's what I, I enjoy the most. I enjoy the accomplishment of putting something together that uh, people will remember for a long, long time. Awesome. Yeah, come on up. I oh, train wreck. Right. Oh. <laughs> We're going to get the mic a little higher for you. Where's, uh, where's my mic at? Oh. Not that much higher. Uh, just wonder if you ever had any interaction with Andre the Giant and also your thoughts on Paul Heyman. Um, I only had one interaction with Andre. I was uh, nine or ten years old and I went and saw Andre at the Beaumont Civic Center. And 
you know, like all other kids, you would run to a barricade and try to reach out and touch him. And um, as I'm trying to reach out and touch him, these badass kids behind me knocked me over and my hands were on the ground. <laughs> and uh, Andre walking down, he saw me with my feet up on the barricade. He picked me up and no way. put me back on the other side and he just kept walking. That was the only time that there was ever any interaction with me and him. But I, I knew that, like, man, like, Andre is the coolest human being walking earth. You know, like, I, I want to be like Andre when I grew up. But it, it wasn't a, a question of me saying I wanted to be a wrestler. I just wanted to be like Andre, mm -hmm. you know. But um, as, far, as far as Paul Heyman, um, Paul Heyman is, is uh, as fearless with a microphone as... Brock is in the ring. Like, I have a lot of respect for Paul because he's never met a microphone that he was afraid of. Like, he can, he can go in front of any crowd in the world and, and beat Paul Heyman. Yeah. And if you don't like him, that's fine with him. Like, and a lot of people want to be liked too much. I've never, I mean, I, I like being, being liked, but I don't like being liked so much that I, I'll sacrifice my integrity for it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I'm not gonna like, have to lie for people to like me. Right. <laughs> you know, like some people will though. Right. So it's like, um, I, I just look at it like, success is a byproduct of hard work. And if you work hard and you honestly give it all you got, that should be good enough. Yes, sir. But a lot of people don't feel that way. They feel like they got to add and embellish and this and that. And um, that's something that I've never ever seen from Paul. Paul is authentically Paul Hayman. Like the guy you see, and he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. Like a lot of people, we, we know smart people. You know, people that you know, are mathematicians or something like. Like Paul could be one of those guys. He's He's really, really smart. Very nice. I think we have one more. Just bring one Just bring it. <laughs> anyway, um, what's your opinion of being involved in the three count eras of the Attitude Era, the Ruthless Aggression Era, and the current era? Um, which one do I like the most? Or? Well, the difference to you. Um, you know what? The, the, I, I like right now because I came in in the era of the first era that I came in um, was the territories like I'm I'm maybe one of the only guys well not now I mean you got Kane and a few other guys maybe maybe 10 guys out of 80 that you know wrestled during that time um, it was a lot of competition and it was very cutthroat like nobody was in uh, support of another guy Everybody wanted that guy's spot. Uh, I didn't like it very much. Uh, a lot of the guys were uneducated. Um, the guys weren't in good shape. Uh, it was just that they were in the business before you and they, they tried to hang it over their head. Hey, I taught you, uh, you do what I tell you. You know, like that kind of philosophy. Then it changed and uh, people like me came along that were um, athletes, 
uh, entertainers before wrestling. And, you know, I, I was the first developmental wrestler. Like, they started uh, um, teaching you how to wrestle um, with me. So that, that was pretty cool. And people like, you know, D-Lo and, and Kane and Christian and Edge and the list goes on of guys that, uh, Val Venus that came through those programs, um, we helped get that, that, that rolling. And it, it just so happened that that coincided with the Attitude Era. So, you know, as we were coming up and blending in with the Attitude Era, we really didn't know what we were doing. You know, we were starting to get it, but it was um, still wasn't all the way there. We weren't stars. Steve Austin was a star. Rock was a star because he just got it faster than everybody. But, um, you know, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker and, you know, I mean, the list goes on with guys you know who were in Attitude Era. Uh, but it would, it didn't belong to us. That was, you know, that. Um, and then coming in after the Attitude Era, we became more corporate. Uh, the WWE changed its name to, from WWF to WWE. Uh, they sold shares of the company and the company became uh, publicly traded which means that now it's not just ran by Vince's man, it, it was run by a board. And um, the expansion of women's wrestling changed. It, it, it ceased to be bikinis and uh, all wrestling and whatever, you know, stuff that might have looked negative to the masses. Uh, and women started getting more respect and uh, the, the money went up for the women. Um, it, it just, it, it, that, this era now, um, people have a, a, a greater respect for the business. And they realize that one person don't make the business. Like, it's a collection of everybody. And um, that's, that's one of the reasons why I like it. And I, I like the fact, too, that there are guys and girls that, as I'm on my way out, I want to see people come in and, um, you know, working with our talent development, I'm able to find people and say, hey man, like you ever thought about wrestling, you know, and get people to come in. So uh, that's, that's, that's a good feeling cool. too. Yeah, it is. It's a good feeling. Thank you for the question. All right, we'll do one more? Yeah. No! <laughs> I just want to say my name is Luke. I'm a big fan of yours. I was actually scared of you when I was a kid. Of course. So now I, uh, I, I want to be scared now. <laughs> See me? I'm scared. I'm sitting next to him. Yeah. But my question is, I think personally, uh, some of your best work was as a heel. Obviously, the Hall of Pain was some of the best stuff I've ever seen in WWE programming. And my my favorite moment, still to this day, is when you said you were retiring. It was a promo with John Cena. Is you say you're retiring, and then you went in for the hug and gave him the world's strongest slam. That was one of the best moments that stuck with me. So I just want to ask you, did you prefer playing a heel character over a face? Because I thought you're one of the best heels the business has ever seen. I'll second that. You are a natural heel. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I was very comfortable with being a bad guy. It's because I knew who I was on the inside. And everybody that's ever met me knows like, you know, kind of who I am unless they walk up and slap me on my back or something and then I want to rip their face off. But, um, 
for the, for the most part. Keep that in mind, people. Yeah, like, you see him this weekend. I, I always like people, you know. So me pulling the wool over their eyes was fun, you know. So I was out there having fun. And a lot of times you see me, I do something so. Um, so I shut up. <laughs> I do something so negative, mean, and then I just start laughing. Like I just, I enjoyed it, and I think that the fans enjoyed it with me. They they saw me out there doing my thing, having fun, and um, you know the people that I scared. You know, like I'm not gonna apologize for it. <laughs> Very awesome. Thank you. Thanks for the question, man. All right, thanks, Mark. Let's give it up for, right. up for Mark here. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right. Can I get a picture with you? Yeah. You got this. Yeah, we do back. With the mug in the back. Okay, so if anybody is uh, still looking to get an autograph with, with Mark, he's going to move over to, I think, Cal Ripken's booth over there in about a half an hour or so. Hey, this is Joseph with CJP Card Break. You are listening to The Fat Pack. You do. I, I have a collection too, but I'm sure it's not as nice as yours. Now, what, what you got to do, I got to tell you honestly, you got to go over there and see uh, the the brave and bearded hook you up on that beard, man. You yeah, they, they came over. They came over? Came yeah. All right, so uh, we sat down with you yesterday. 
and we had a list of questions, but we had a bunch of questions from the internet that we didn't get to, so I would like to just run through those if you don't mind. Meaning you. Meaning you. No, right? me, meaning your, you, your question. Oh, no, 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 no. There was this, this is real internet questions, but the first one is from my mama. Is that okay? All right, we'll, we'll answer mama. My, my mama wants to know, do you have an all-time favorite match? Uh, my, my, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much out there saying that WrestleMania 22 was my favorite match. I mean, the casket match with The Undertaker, there's not very many people that, uh, there's only been 20 of them, 21 sure. of them. And um, now that uh, Rusev got the honor. But uh, <laughs> I, um, I, I really enjoyed that. It was something that signified my career and a lot of people remember it. That was a good match. I mean, again, it's not a very used match, so only 21 match, you said. So yeah. That's awesome. Even anytime you're in the ring with a taker, right? That's, yeah, that's, that's a special day. That, that is a special day. All right, uh, Wyatt wants to know, if you didn't become a professional wrestler, what did you want to, want to do? Uh, I mean, I was blessed to be able to do what I wanted to do. Uh, I chose to try to be the strongest man in the world. And um, I was successful. Uh, I've been world champion in powerlifting, uh, world champion in strongman, and uh, eight times national champion and two-time Olympian uh, in Olympic weightlifting. So I, I was blessed to be able to dominate the strength sports in my career. And I actually did all of that retiring at 24 years old. So, right. um, you know, I wish I would have had to be able to Two of me, where I could have, <laughs> I could have wrestled and uh, did strongman powerlifting and weightlifting until I was probably about 35. That would have, that would, I, I think I would have ran the numbers up pretty high. I think so too. And so that leads me right into my next question. John wants to know what current WWE wrestler would make a great powerlifter. Oh well, I mean Braun Strowman. I mean, he, without a shadow of a doubt, he was a good. He was a good powerlifter, and he was a good strongman. And he was one of those that I actually saw competing, and said, "Hey, man, I think you should wrestle." Oh, really? Okay. And um, and Braun, you know, at first he was like, "Nah, I want to be world champion. I'm gonna train harder. I'm gonna try to, you know, become world champion." And uh, he ended up um, getting injured. And saying, you know what, man, I think I'm gonna get wrestling a try. Okay. And um, so I got him down to Orlando and um, introduced him to the powers that be. And after about two or three days of watching him work out, they were like, yeah, we're, we're gonna sign him. Very nice. And uh, he, he went through the whole developmental system, and uh, now he's one of the top wrestlers in the world. Let's talk about that developmental system. It wasn't in place the way it is now when you were coming up, but they have NXT, they're one of those guys through there, and girls, and it's pretty much the way Raw is set up, it's the same set design and everything like that. How helpful is that for an up and coming? It's very helpful because you, you learn how to do and you learn the system. You learn like what's expected of you. Mm -hmm. um, back in years past, you would open a newspaper and there was always something negative about a wrestler. Okay. And now you don't see that. It's not commonplace because people realize that uh, there's zero tolerance for ignorance and uh, we don't have room for people doing, you know, crazy stuff. Yes, sir. So people are, are on their P's and Q's and, um, you know, they, we try to put out, a, the, we, want, we want people to smile when they hear our names. We want people to be excited. 
we don't want people to go, oh my God, not man, that guy, that girl, you know. <laughs> right. So uh, image and, and perception is very valuable. And um, we, we, we put it on them to say, hey, it's a high standard, yes, you sir. know, so don't break it up. So speaking of excitement, uh, I saw a video recently of you in, in, uh, at a Toys R Us in Dubai. Was that, was, that was, the people went crazy. How'd that make you feel? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, they, they said, well, we're going to have about 200, 300 people. We'll go out there and we'll get through the line pretty quickly. And then we'll, you know, do some waving and, you know, photo ops. Sure. Man, it was like 500 people showed up and they didn't have enough security. It was probably like like eight people mm -hmm. trying to hold back 500. And it, it was, it kept, they had to kept push, keep pushing people back. Wow. And the line started off like maybe... You know, 20 feet, 30 feet away, and then it was like this close. It was like right up, and it was oh like, God. okay, we're gonna have to stop. Everybody had to back up, relax. And you gonna sign everybody. It went from uh, a two-hour appearance to a five-hour appearance. Wow, that's a yeah. long time. And I, I just stayed and signed everybody because I said I was going to. That's that's awesome. Then you're you're carrying the flag for the for the company at that point and you're doing you're making yeah. the fans happy that's real awesome and you guys you're aware of the business aspect of it yeah I'm, I'm a businessman I, I, that's one of the reasons why I'm, uh, I tried to get you know it's kind of bad for the fans but like I, I wanted to uh, get out of the way and let some of the younger people you know be able to carry the torch mm -hmm. uh, because I was thinking more from a business perspective than uh, a talent perspective sure and um is for me right now it's easier to help make the company great by uh, picking good talent uh, mentoring and having those men and women uh, have an understanding of what can be because a lot of I mean I came into the business with no mentorship yes sir and I mean it was bumps and bruises the whole way so um, now they don't have to go through all that Speaking of talent, uh, you you spoke recently on uh, Seth Rollins and how he's he's getting to that elite level. What is it about Seth that makes him so good in the ring? Uh, first off, psychology. Okay. Seth, Seth, everything that he does means something. He's not out there doing stuff just to be doing stuff. There's some guys that go out and flip, fly, and crash and burn, and like it's just for excitement purposes. But Seth is trying to, he's trying to pull you in, he's telling the story, and he's doing some unbelievably athletic things to boot. Yes, sir. Uh, to, to see some of the athletic things that he does is every night, it's like a pay-per-view every night, every match. I mean, it's just like there's nobody else that's doing that in the business. Um, the guys that he's working with, Finn Bauer, uh, Balor and um, Daniel Bryan are guys that wrestle that same style, but Seth is just standing out. Yes, sir. I mean, to be able to say that in a sentence, you know, that Seth Rollins is standing out with Daniel Bryan on the card, that's... That's impressive. That's, it's impressive because, you know, um, I really do think that we'll look back in about five or six years and, you know, he'll have uh, enough credentials to be one of those Hall of Fame caliber athletes. I believe so too. Now the next question I was hesitant to ask, but uh, 
I got it enough. I'm gonna have to ask it. They want to know how Hand is doing. How 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 your son Hand is doing? Oh, it's five. Uh, oh, five. <laughs> I got you. Uh, man, well, what was the silliest, the yeah. silliest thing in the history of wrestling? I mean, hands down, there's no no pun intended. <laughs> um, it's it's just it was goofy. You ask Vince like, "What's the deal?" And he just bust out laughing. It's a hand. <laughs> it was ridiculous, but people love it. What was it like working with May? With I mean, she a legend in her own right, so. Oh, uh, May was so much fun, man. May told me a story one time that um, she was having trouble with this this guy in Texas, this wrestler. Okay. And he was he was very adamant to her that he was not happy that women were wrestling. Yeah. And um, he kept on saying, one of these days, May, it's going to be me and you, and I'm I'm going to make you an honest woman. And he was like, she was like, no, don't think so. Not into it, and and he he tried to come on to her. Okay. And uh, she was like, at least have some respect for yourself and zip your pants up. And he, he looked down to zip his pants, and she kicked him in the lower. <laughs> oh my God! Like she she had a hundred of us. Like she always told us stories, and the whole point was to educate you on uh, be tolerant of women's rights and and. Um, she wanted people to be respectful and, and, and appreciative that they were adding something to the business but not getting the props for it. Yes, sir. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed being around me. She, she was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, she was tough, too. Was she? Tough. Yeah? I mean, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure I can call the Dudley boys and get them to powerbomb you through a table off the stage and... It I don't, was, I don't, I don't you, know. You don't want none of that actually. Yeah, yeah that. she they did that to her. I remember that. So I mean it's like she tough and she was like, I don't lay it in. I'm tough. <laughs> I can take it. That's she funny. Tough old lady, man. Uh what, let's talk about some ribs. I mean, I've heard some great stories about ribs in the back in the locker room with the boys. Do you have a favorite rib that you were a part of or that you saw that you could share that's not gonna get you in trouble? You know what? I, I wasn't a river. Okay. Uh, I've, I've had a couple people with me, but you know, it's you know, kind of guess they thought it was all in fun. Like somebody, it was real popular to put padlocks on people's bags, uh-huh. and, and which was the stupidest thing in the world. Now you can't open your bag and you got to cut it, and you know the handles are useless now. Right. Like you know, it's just boys being boys. Um, I think that I, I was saying yesterday that uh, uh, Bradshaw put uh, Icy Hot in uh, Miz's trunks. Mm. And, you know, it was just like, that, those, those were kind of dangerous ones. You know, you start going, ah, oh, man, why would you do that? But I, I, I like the funny ones, the practical jokes, the uh, phone calls in the middle of the night, like, hey, your pizza is here. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't order a pizza. Sir, you're gonna pay for this pizza, or I'm gonna to come to your room and kick your door in. And you know, that's those kind of things that Owen used to do. He just have people coming out of their rooms in their underwear, <laughs> mad, wanting to fight, and it was just like him playing jokes. I, I wasn't gonna bring Owen up, but you mentioned him. Can you, other than Ribbon, can you share some memories of Owen? This is how great he was because everybody loves him. We're here in Canada. So. Well, he was a master psychologist. Owen, Owen was one of the smartest guys um, 
that ever wrestled. Like he, he was a good storyteller and he could do everything. He was very, he could be serious. Um, he can, he can have a match where he tried to out wrestle you, mm -hmm. which he could do. And he could do comedy. Uh, right here in, in, um, um, in Toronto, uh, you have Santino Morello, mm -hmm. who in my opinion is one of the top comedic wrestlers of all time. I mean, I, I hate that his neck got hurt and he had to quit, but um, he, Owen was even superior to him. Wow. And um, I mean, he was just really, really special. And, and Santino used to say all the time, you know, I watch these Owen videos and I, I want to copy what he did. Ah, I see. So, I mean, it, it was that's, it's pretty cool that a guy from right here in Toronto is uh, uh, idolized a guy that ended up being a guy that he, he kind of followed the suit of the right. same stuff. Now, would Mick be on that same list too as top comedic wrestlers? Because he was pretty funny. Mick, Mick was funny. He, Mick was so, he was, his history of hardcore like, kind of supersedes the comedy. Like, he started doing comedy later on. I did comedy early mm -hmm. and then got serious. So we kind of like the ships in the passing in the night, you know, we, we kind of different styles. So um, Donnie wants to know, is there a guy out there that you would come back to work a program with? Not if I can help it. Not if you can help it. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of getting beat up. I've been traveling all over the world. Uh, we just did that trip to Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's 15 hours over there and 15 hours back, and I was there for 11 days doing media, going visit hospitals and children's hospitals and schools and uh, doing outreach in the communities and helping raise money yes, sir. and different things for charities. Man, I, 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 it's hard work. People think that you, you know, you're just going to put a suit on and go and say hi, and it's not. You know, it's like you're dealing with things emotionally and, uh, and you're internalizing other people's issues and making them yours. Yes, sir. And um, when you do that, it's just, it, it tires you out. When, uh, so I was deployed to Iraq in uh, 0304. You guys came over on the USO tour. And to speak to that, uh, I sat right across Eddie Guerrero that night. And, uh, he just wanted to talk about life. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't care anything about wrestling that night. He just wanted to talk about life, what was going on with me. And uh, it was Eddie Guerrero and Rhino. And it was one of the best nights of my life. And you guys did such a good job of that, just coming over and making us feel special and having a moment with us. That was, that was really cool. So thank you for, for me and from all the soldiers to get what you guys did. That was pretty oh, cool. You're welcome, brother. Like, that's, that's one of the things that I look forward to every year is uh, dealing with our military. And I, I travel far to the outreaches of the um, the places where you're really not supposed to go. Yes, sir. <laughs> There's lots and, of those. And uh, I mean, I've been to Bahrain, Kandahar, places that even some of the most seasoned soldiers don't go because only the Special Forces guys are out there. And I would go out there and shake hands and and just exchange stories and hey man, I'm going back home. If you got some letters, I can take them back for you. Nice. You know, get them. Nice. And so it's like you try to be helpful. You know? And um, um, you know, I really appreciate what the military does for not only America but North America. Right. You know, like 
the, the United States and, and Canada, Canada are hand in hand with you know our military forces because you know if it happens to Canada, it happens to North America, it happens to America, so uh, and vice versa. So you know, like I, I respect the military and, and um, you know always want to be supportive. Awesome. Um, to second to further that story, uh, half of my unit were. Um, Samoan and Rikishi was there that night. And that was like, they had all seen their cousin for the first time in a long time, right? And they, he was taking pictures with M16s and a bunch of stuff he shouldn't have had. It was, it was a great time that night. It was a, it was you a good can't time. give that guy a gun. You can't, no, you can't really. Getting it back was hard, so, <laughs> so it was good. Um, let's see, Jeff G wants to know, did you have a favorite feud during your career? Man, favorite feud. Um, oh, yeah. 20, really. 20 years, man. Yeah. Like, um, I guess uh, back and forth, I went a lot with uh, Big Show. Mm -hmm. um, even though Big Show is one of the people on this planet that I, I love the most. Um, also, like Randy Orton, me and Randy Orton had some, we had some knockdown drag outs. Like we had a, a few wars, like in different eras too. Uh, even when he first started, mm -hmm. so like, uh, yeah, we go way back. Can you, can you speak a little more to Randy because I think he's he's one of those vets on the roster now that uh, that the younger guys can really learn from. And they are. Yeah, and they are. I mean, is that is that genetics? Because obviously it's in his, it's in his bloodline, but he's such a he's a natural. Yeah, well, I mean, I, normally wrestlers like Randy, like, they're not famous. Right. You know, it's very rare that you find a guy that's as smooth and technical, technically sound as him that are also a major player. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can go throughout history and these guys that are really good wrestlers, but they went through super famous. And he's third generation as, as well as a guy that... Um, it's super exciting, like you, you want to see what he's going to do next, you know. So Randy, Randy is one of those that's an anomaly, man. Like, well, he's, I mean, he's already a Hall of Famer. I mean, right. Just from championships and uh, how many wars he's had and who all he had wars with. Um, like, he's right up there with the, you know, I mean, he's, he's not at the Mount Rushmore level yet, but... He's got still another five or ten years to go. Sure. So and he can go too. And before long, you know, we might look up and go, "Man, Randy just bumped Shawn Michaels off the <laughs> off the Mount Rushmore." Like we'll see. Awesome. So uh, we have time for a couple of questions from the crowd. If uh, anybody would like to ask Mr. Henry a question, come on up to the mic. He's not going to power slam you. You're not joining the Hall of Pain. You got one, no. buddy? Yeah, no. Anybody, come on up. Clean up our nine. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, Mr. Henry, welcome to Toronto. Thank you. Ontario, Canada. That's my Mark, uh, that's my Mick Foley invitation. I've got a question for you. Um, I was really intrigued during your Hall of Fame speech when you were talking about Andre the Giant. And you shared a really good story about when you went to the show and you fell down and he picked you up and everything. Um, I remember the first time I went to the Maple Leaf Guards, I saw him against Kamala. What was the match that night? What was the match? Who did he fight? And what was your, some of your favorite uh, Andre the Giant feuds or matches? 
Um, the, the match he had at the Beaumont Civic Center was uh, a, a humongous, and I talked about the guy yesterday. He left an impression on me. Uh, that was the he was probably the largest Vietnamese guy that's ever born. He was probably his name was Nam. Uh, he was probably six seven, six six, six seven, about three hundred pounds, big big dude. And uh, he and Andre just went to war, and I was just like, man, this is unbelievable. To see the two big giants clash against each other, and um, but I, I watched Andre in the same time as everybody else, you know, like the, uh, to see him, like, you know, we watched a cartoon, you know, watch rock and wrestling and stuff, and you would see Andre and Big John Stead, or Andre and, um, um, God, what's the other big guy, I can't think of his name now, but King Kong, Bundy, thank you. Uh, you watch those two guys go at it, man. You just be like, hopefully that the ropes didn't break when somebody got thrown into the ropes. I mean, so uh, that was definitely like, you know, the, my, the best time in wrestling for me. That was the golden age for wrestling for me as well. Oh, man. That was awesome. Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. I remember him unlocking Iron Rocky Sheet. Wrestling. He, his lip would curl up. It was funny. Uh, a couple more questions. Anybody else in the crowd have a question for Henry? Come on up, buddy. Uh, so what was your uh, most uh, favorite title uh, win? My favorite win? Um, you know, I, I would have to say um, winning the title against Randy Orton in Hell in the Cell um, would be right up there at the top. Um, man. Uh, I've had some, I've had some good ones, you know, beating, beating the Rock and uh, in your house um, at a major pay per view was pretty special. A lot, not many people can say that, you know, they were two and zero in pay per views against the Rock. Right. You know, so uh, you know, I'm, 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 I mean, just, I mean, me and Big Show, we had like three or four that, you know, I could, I could think of that would be right there. And, you know, wrestling Daniel Bryan and Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and Goldberg and, you know, the list goes on of guys that I've been in the ring with. Um, but I've, I've had some really, really good ones. Hopefully the roof going to come off. I think that's just fair playing <laughs> this time. Uh, did you did you enjoy wrestling smaller wrestlers for the contrast of styles? Or, or would you rather work with a big man? You know what, I, I like the contrast. Um, I had a couple of matches with Rey Mysterio and Jamie Noble and um, Sin Cara, to be recent, mm -hmm. um, that were, you know, you can't say John, um, you can't say Shawn Michaels was a little guy, right? but he was not uh, one of the biggest either. Uh, the in-between guys were, like, really in my wheelhouse, but I, I was, I could think, oh, how this works, how this works. But, you know, you're in there with Ray Mysterio, it's like you got to change everything. Sure. And um, uh, that was, wrestling him was one of those where it brings out the best in him. Right. He, he was so quick, too. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, one more. Anybody else? Come on up, sir. Congratulations on your whole thing and your great career. Thank you. I got two questions. That's fine. Uh, 
One, is there anybody that you did not wrestle when you had your run that you sort of would have liked been uh, a run against or uh, an angle against? And two, I gotta ask, May Young, when you did that whole uh, sexual chocolate <laughs> storyline, was that Vince's idea or how did that come together? You know what? It was it was kind of a collection of. Um, during that time, uh, it was me and China, and the me and China was coming to an end. They were like, "What are we gonna do next?" You know, like uh, we went the strongest girl in the business, the biggest strongest. Now let's go. Let's do something completely abstract, and uh, and that was that was kind of our creative uh, department and events. Uh, saying, you know, I think this would be great, and he was right. Awesome. Uh, as far as somebody that I wish I um, could have had a program with, um, man, I, I only had one match with him, but uh, I wish I could have worked him more, uh, was Ric Flair. Um, we had one match, and... Um, it was one of the funnest things I ever did outside of being chopped 30 times. <laughs> um, but like being in the ring with him, it was just like, you know, any little bitty thing I did to him, the crowd just went nuts. Like they were like, please don't hurt him. <laughs> and uh, it, it was just, it was real easy. It was, it was a lot of fun and uh, some of the best reactions that I ever got. Awesome. All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you, Mark, for joining us again. WWE Hall of Famer and World Champion Mark Henry, everybody. Let's give him a round of applause. Hey, this is Joseph with CJP Card Breaks. You are listening to The Fat Packs. And there you have it. Back-to-back -back interviews with uh, Mark Henry. Those were fun, fun conversations for me. I grew up a huge wrestling Mark, especially here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Mark is from Texas. You know, he's down uh, Silsby, Texas, down towards the Houston area. But being able to sit down with the WWE Hall of Famer, world champion, and share stories with him, that was, that was great. There was a lot that happened behind the scenes that you guys didn't hear or, or see, you weren't privy to, but 100% class act guy. Cannot recommend getting behind this guy as he moves f into the future with 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 wrestling and getting behind what he's doing because he, he's really trying to he's, he's trying to make changes and help the product grow. I I, he, I haven't watched Raw or SmackDown or anything in, in probably since WrestleMania, but he is trying to help improve the product and it's a product that I hear needs help. I know that ultimately you wrestling heads would know that it's not going to matter if because you know Vince has the reins pretty much. So until he's until he's completely out of the picture it might be difficult and some of that writing needs to change I've heard I've heard. But Mark is doing great things behind the scenes. That's what I wanted to tell you. All right, let's get into uh, our next little thing here as we as we open up Beckett whatever. This is going to be a lot of auction talk because there's two auctions ending that I need you to know about. One is ending today, June 14th. You need to get in on this while you can. It is, of course, the auction that we mentioned last week, Classic Auctions. 
it's up in Canada, either auction house in Canada, but they have that that great UFC. I'm sorry, this is not ending today. This is ending June 19th, so you have a little bit of time. I said that wrong. Apologize, Classic Auctions. Uh, current offerings include the UFC Championship belt worn by George St. Pierre, game-worn baseball jerseys, racing memorabilia, uh, slapshot memorabilia, and then there is the Red Bernson uh, collection, his private collection that you need to go get a, be a part of. Go to classicauctions.net so you can get in on those uh, on those and start bidding. Again, those two art pieces that I saw, one of Bobby Orr and one, one of Joe Montana, I saw being painted in Toronto while I was there. They were awesome, very detailed, amazing work. Bobby Orr and Joe Montana both signed them. So that those proceeds go to a charity, uh, go to a charity as well. So go get behind this auction and get your bids in on that stuff while you can. The other one that I do need to tell you about is the one that ends on June 21st is Goodwin Auctions. This one is has got a beautiful, beautiful Christy, Christy Matheson signed baseball. It is perhaps the finest signature, uh, Christy Matheson signature out there in the hobby. We have a couple of video pieces up on it uh, on our social media sites and on our homepage. It, it's just flat out amazing. It's I've never seen a signature of his as clear and just perfectly preserved as this one. Please go check out the Christy Matheson ball on Goodwin Auctions. Um, and of course, there's the Gaudi Napoleon Lajoe. I'm 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 sorry. I'm going to mess his name up. L A J O I E. This was a sm- ascendant card that customers had to write into Gaudi in 1934 to receive the card, but very few people actually did this. So the scarcity of it is uh, is something to be f- something to be admired because there's just not many of them out there. 53 tops of mantle. It's graded a PSA eight. You know, high graded mantles are always in demand. You guys got to uh, jump on that. A 1916 famous and bar company Babe Ruth rookie PSA two. There's only been three of these cards that have been graded by PSA. So. That's another little piece that you guys can put, stick your hat in, and then there's the one that this one is. I, I don't. I don't know, man. It's it, it's funny to me. I don't know who does this. I I just don't know, but it's a 1986 Flair Michael Jordan rookie Beckett BCC G10. If you have that card, why do you grade it as a BCC G? I don't get that. But I went and checked out the auction itself, and sure enough, it's right there. Auction, it's a uh, lot number 11. It has three bids on it. Current bid is $2,178. Minimum bid is $1,800. It's there. It's it's in a BCCG holder, and it's just beyond me. There are some other uh, cards here that for you to jump on. Uh, 2018 Shohei Otani Panini Signing Day Signatures, one of one autograph. There's a very nice Aaron Judge Bowman Chrome Green Refractor. That's a 9510. There's a Babe Ruth ball here that you can jump all over. There is... A 1958 top special NFL complete test set. You just don't see that. You know those those are awesome. And then there's a Stan Usual rookie as well. That's that's up for. It's got four bids on it. Current bid four thousand six hundred and fifty nine dollars. I need to get into vintage because I'm just not doing it right, evidently. And that Matthewson ball, I'm telling you, is beautiful. Current bid forty eight thousand dollars. Someone's gonna have a nice little payday there. Please go check out both of those auctions. Classicauctions.net. That that one ends on the 19th. This Goodwin Goodwin and Company's auction ends on the 21st. Plenty of time for you to get in on both of these for all you high rollers out there. All right. Let's end on this note. This is something I'm really excited about. 
because I'm like kind of a, a closet sneakerhead. I I I, I like I want to more I want to know more about it and I want to learn learn about that whole side of the hobby. We had a great sneakerhead uh, podcast out a year and a half ago that Paul and I did with uh, Scott Sargent from WFNY. Go check that one out. But this one is this is something cool because it, it brings baseball cards and sneaker collecting together. It's called No Retreads. This is on the Sports Collector Daily site. No Retreads. Tops Adidas create cleats inspired by baseball cards. It's written by Bob D'Angelo on June 11th. So just a couple of days ago, this this hit the uh, hit the waves. So Tops and Adidas are hoping their new partnership will will gain some traction among sports collectors and training enthusiasts. The two companies announced the Adidas Baseball X Tops Pack, a cleat and trainer product that features the at a zero afterburner icon cleat and icon trainer. The product combines the experience of opening up a pack of Tops cards, specifically Pro Debut, Opening Day, Sticker Collection, Tops Tribute, and Tops Chrome, and imprinting them on a pair of Adidas sneakers. The centerpiece for the shoe design was inspired by the holographic images and statistics on the back of baseball cards. There are also an autograph element if your favorite big leader opts to sign a pair. Here are the new products. Adidas Baseball X tops at a zero afterburner cleats. They are beautiful. The shoe features a, a one-piece hologram graphic that changes color with movement. The upper part of the shoe is emblazoned with statistics and three stripes were inspired by the game-worn jersey swatches from Topps baseball cards. Very nice. A heel pull tab not only features a graphic of a blurred f- <laughs> of blurred fans giving the shoe a look of speed, but also a top certified autograph space for players to sign the cleats. That's just, I'm, that's inventive. I like it a lot. There's, there's a specific place for you, the baseball player to sign these cleats. That's really cool. Other details include a Topps logo set inside a home plate icon on the sneaker's tongue and co-branded Adidas Topps sock liners. These sneakers will cost you about $120. A model, I'm sorry, a molded holographic heel clip and reinforced top cap are the signature parts to the icon cleats. Both are covered with statistics. The tongue tab includes a graphic of blurred fans of a top certified space. Okay, got that. And the entire baseball card inspired icon design is perched on top of a full-length energy mold side, or midsole, I'm sorry. A holographic plate in the cleat area provides optimum acceleration and traction. These sneakers will cost you $140. So that's two different cleats there. And then finally, the Adidas Baseball Tops Icon Trainer. The Adidas Baseball Icon Trainer has a holographic heel counter and reinforced toe cap. Like the Icon cleats design, the model has baseball statistics on the heel and toe. The tongue top showcases a graphic and blurred of fans in the park, and there is a top certified space for signatures as well. This these are pretty cool, man. I don't I don't know how else to say it other than if you're a fan of of, of tops baseball cards and you're a sneakerhead, this is the shoe for you. And they're not gonna break the bank either. Like I said earlier about about uh, the football classics. This is $120, $140, and $110. That's that's pretty average fare for what you're spending on on you know packs on boxes of cards anyway so these are pretty dope dope way to new to collect and i think it's inventive you need to go check it out if you're a sneakerhead i'm going to myself all right guys that is the show this week hope you enjoyed it had a lot of fun doing it it's uh it's been it's been 
a experience not having Paul here with me, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning everything. Uh, kind of like I'm relearning, and I'm, I'm wanting to bring you a good show. So I hope I hope you guys have enjoyed the last few. I do want to make one min- one mention of something that I said earlier on Twitter this week. Uh, Chris over at Baseball Cards Daily has a new podcast. I listen to the podcast. It's really good. I like it a lot. He's doing a giveaway for reviews, which, okay, I get. I'm not even mad at Chris about this, actually. I don't have any reason to be mad at Chris, actually. But the concept of uh, people, Twitter hounds, jumping on on this and getting in a giveaway, leaving reviews for giveaways, that's mind-boggling to me. And I say that, and I said what I said was, you know, the, the new way to get reviews is is to do a giveaway. Which, if you remember correctly, and you listen to this show, I said the very same thing on last week's show. I said we need some more reviews. Give me give me some reviews this week and next week, and I'll give away three cards to three different people who leave reviews. Well, we got one. And the thing is, the, what's upsetting about it is that I said it on the podcast, which means that you don't know that unless you listen to the show. Chris did it on Twitter, which I get. I'm not upset about it again. It's just the Twitter hounds that see free stuff and they just jump to it. That's the part that I don't like. So Chris, if you're listening to this, if you are, great. If you're not, I understand. Please don't take offense to that. That was not aimed towards you. That was aimed towards just those greedy, greedy people in the hobby who just want free stuff. I don't like it. It's not cool. It doesn't work for what we do as podcasters. That's just my two cents. All right, let's wrap this up. Thank you again for listening this week. I hope you had a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the Mark Henry interview. We'll be back next week with a, well, I'm working on an author for you guys. So hope he is able to uh, make it in either either in person or via phone. That would be awesome. Uh, pretty sure it's going to work out, though. Got that coming up for you next week. And until next week, just keep listening. Alright, me and my people just might